What's poppin' internet? Welcome to another episode of the Pace and Space Podcast. This is a finals wrap-up episode. We're gonna talk about the Warriors, the Cavs, LeBron, KD, Steph Curry. We're gonna talk about all of it on this episode. And as always, I'm your host, Calvin. And as usual, I'm with my good friend and co-host, Leif. Leif, what's going on? Man, doing great. Can't complain at all. Just ready to talk some basketball, I must say. Yeah, and you know what? Given the events of this week, I think this episode is going to go kind of quick, just like this NBA Finals went. Yeah, we're just going to sweep through this. (laughs) Yeah, we're just going to sweep, sweep through this. So as you all know... Last Friday, the Golden State Warriors swept the Cleveland Cavaliers four straight games. They put the cherry on top in Cleveland, and now there's a lot of discussions. I mean, first of all, I want to talk with you, Leif, first and foremost, about the Finals MVP choice. And I know this is a curveball. It wasn't on the agenda, but I forgot to add that. I think we need to know about the Finals MVP. We, we need to talk about because, it. Because, I mean, you say what you will about it, but I honestly feel like it was a travesty that Steph Curry didn't get the finals MVP this year. You know what? And I don't think you're wrong for feeling like it's a travesty. Honestly, mm-hmm. I would have given it to Curry. I understand KD had that amazing game three and i know kd is just one of these guys who when you look at the court he he just stands out yeah but we can't forget the contributions that curry has and while it might not stand out to you i mean he had that game where you had nine threes you you think about um how they kept switching on him on defense and even then lebron couldn't score I know, I know. There was that whole Ringer article about how, like, 26, 26, or I think it was more by game four, but, like, 26-plus possessions over the course of the whole finals where they got, where LeBron got the switch where Curry was defending him, and he hadn't scored a bucket the entire time when he got that switch. And yet... There he was, you know, and I thought that that would have been the opportunity to give it to Curry. I don't think anyone would have been mad if you gave it to Curry. I mean, it's an overdue. It's an overdue trophy at this point because you gave it to Iguodala, the first championship. That really should have been Steph Curry's. And then... Okay, yeah, I'm that I I I feel like it should have been Steph Curry's. Uh, nah. He had he had a couple games where you know he didn't shoot his best, but he put away I would say at least three of the games that they won in that yeah. series. I mean, we everyone who really can go back and look at that finals know who the MVP was. Okay, I it see what you're saying, but I'm talking about from the winning team. Oh, okay. It should have. If from the because let's remember, there's only been one ever NBA Finals MVP who's lost the series, and that was Jerry West. So, and, and that was I mean I know people were even trying to talk about LeBron winning 
finals MVP in, in this series. And I'm just like, you cannot give it to somebody who got swept. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't do that. If, if, you didn't give it to him when he lost 4-1 in 2015. Then you can't give it to him now when he loses 4-0. Right. So, any, anyway. Um, and then, you know, last year, of course, KD won. And KD had a phenomenal series. He, he deserved it. And then this finals, even before game four, we recorded after game three. And we basically agreed that, you know, game one was LeBron's, game two was Steph's, game three was Kevin Durant's, was KD's. So each of them had a game where they put their stamp on the series. So it was ultimately going to be about that, that fourth win and who put their stamp on the game. And when I was watching game four, from what I saw, I felt like, Curry was the force that said, we're sweeping tonight. We're putting this series away. Right. I, I think every time you saw KD go into ISO, it kind of put you in a position where you were like, not again, because you felt yeah. like that disrupted the flow. And but Not, not even was, just that. Like I also felt like he was getting his points after the game was kind of already decided. Because Curry came out on fire and he set the tone from the beginning of the game and the way curry's performance kind of put that game out of reach you know it kept going it kept stretching to 10 15 and then at that point that was when KD started getting a lot of his iso buckets right and that's why i think curry curry needs to get more respect i was kind of disappointed yeah, I I saw I saw the disappointment in his face when they gave the Finals MVP trophy to Durant. But I saw were it. You, but were you surprised? No, I wasn't surprised. I felt bad for him. Like I saw the disappointment in his face, and I actually felt for the dude, you know. And and that's the thing. And but you know what? Somebody I was watching the game with. He made he brought up a great he brought up a really good point. The last three finals MVPs for the Warriors, they gave it to the person who guarded LeBron the most. Yes, that is true. And let's not just stop there. We can go the last four non LeBron NBA Finals. Oh yeah, Kawhi MVPs. too. Exactly. Kawhi too. Yeah. So, yeah, they're like, okay, you know, you guard LeBron. You did a great job, even though in those series LeBron averaged thirty nine nine and nine. Good job. You defended LeBron great. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I don't think that's. Deserving of getting MVP honors, not in itself. Like, and that was that was kind of like the rough part about seeing Iguodala get the Finals MVP, because like, yeah, his his defensive work was was really good, but were, are are we really trying to say that he was the most important player to that team during that Finals, that Finals win? That that's the part where it gets very tricky, and it gets to this point where. I don't know. I feel like there's this um, there's this pushback on Curry. Like, 
I know he won the two the two regular season MVPs, but it, it's almost like there's this pushback. Like like people don't want to acknowledge him in some ways. Kind of weird. He's one of those guys who. I feel gets bullied around and doesn't get the respect he deserves. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I kind of feel, I mean, we're going to maybe talk about a little bit more later, especially with Steph's legacy. Mm-hmm. But I think that his legacy is he's a great shooter. And I don't think people really take his game as seriously as it needs to be treated. And I think that's something that's actually going to affect how he's he's looked at now granted you know he's got his mvp awards great mm-hmm. deservedly so right but it's just one of those things that i feel like among players and even among voters and media they look at this and they see kd and they're like wow kd is this presence mm-hmm. and they look at lebron lebron's this presence and paul george and i think when you go back and you look at Curry, you see this, you know, this guy who's quote unquote clean cut, and you know he's just doesn't seem very threatening. He doesn't have that instinct. He does. It's just something that about him that people just don't gravitate to in the respects of, you know, other superstars. And I think it's time people take notice of what they're seeing right now. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the, like you said, you know, I think it has to do with his frame, his build. Um, I think people, you know, see him like he's not, um, maybe people don't feel like he's had to work for whatever because, you know, he he is the son of an NBA player. Um, and, you know, he has this, you know, he has this very, you know, beautiful family. And, you know, when somebody has things like that going for them, you know, people may feel like he already has his reward, so maybe they don't want to acknowledge that. I don't know. Not gonna get into the psyche of everybody, but the fact of the matter is, like, there was yes, he shot bad in game three. He also hit like the dagger to put that game away, and he also set the tone in games two and game four. And I don't know why we're acting like. Game one, he didn't play well because KD had a, a bad game in game one, and and Curry was part of the reason that they were able to come back and put that game away. Yeah, so that's true. Um, and you know, let's just get into it now because I know you mentioned the legacy. Let's just get into all the legacies talk now because we have a couple of things to talk about. We're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors, we're talking about the Cavs, and then we're going to talk about individual player legacies. And let's start off right away with the Golden State Warriors. So, is this team now a dynasty? Three championships in four years, does that make them now a dynasty? I think so. You think so? Me, personally, I like to see the three-peat before... I officially call it a dynasty, you know, like with the Bulls, like with the Lakers, like with the Celtics of old. No, I know there's more that goes to it, and I know they have 
the 73 wins. It's hard for me to say they're not a dynasty. I just prefer the three Pete to be involved when I'm calling something a dynasty. I think this is a team that probably in their own right could have won four straight. They should have, yeah. They should have won four straight. So I I I think of this team as a dynasty. They won they won seventy three and nine during the regular season a couple years ago. Um mm-hmm. they added K D. Um, this is a team that is committed to success. Um, there's no reason why this team cannot continue being successful the way they are right now. There's no reason. I mean, you know, sign. just their own, you know, mental fatigue and emotional fatigue and not wanting to do it anymore. That's probably the biggest factor. But, I mean, we got to remember, too, Rock. The Rockets took him to Game 7. Rockets almost went to the NBA Finals. So this isn't as sewn up as some people want to say either. It isn't. But we're also talking about uh, a Golden State team that was undermanned. They didn't have Iguodala, their defensive stopper. They also, granted, using lost Chris Paul for the last two games. I, I just don't want to I, – I, I don't – I mean, I know next year is going to be a harder road to the finals. However, I just feel that what we've seen in the last four years mm-hmm. is something that puts them in that conversation of a dynasty. You're going to look back at this team, and you're going to say three, four straight NBA finals. You went three out of four. That, to me, is – a dynasty. If, yeah. If Draymond's foot, if Draymond's foot stayed on the ground and he wasn't flopping and whatever, exactly, it would have been four. Yeah. So, I hear you. I think you, I think you have to say this is a dynasty, and this is, and I think also what helps with a dynasty is when you're able to look out into the future and say that what is going to inhibit this team's future success. And right now, there isn't anything. I mean, everyone's going to get signed back. Um, you talk about health. Yeah, that's a factor. But everyone's going to come back, and they're going to go and run this one more time. The only thing you mentioned was mental fatigue, being bored with the regular season, just hoping to get it over with so you get back to games that really matter. Yeah, That, I mean, to me, is the only thing that could actually get in the way of this team. Yeah. So they're only... The only competition, the only thing right now, really, when you really think about it, is themselves. If they're committed to winning and they're right. committed to doing it again, then why not? Why wouldn't they do it again? Right. I I agree with you. You actually make very good points. And I, I can see this. Is, you know, I'm not even fighting it. I, I mean, I agree with you that this this is a dynasty. Um, I like, me personally, I I. I gravitate to the three peats, but taking my personal opinion out of it and and being objective and seeing you know the holistic view of things, um, I know many people view the Tim Duncan Spurs era as a dynasty. So if we're gonna call that that team that that period of play a dynasty then we have to call this Warriors team a dynasty because they've already surpassed that team. 
in terms of team success. Exactly. So when you look at it like that, and the other thing that really puts them into this realm of dynasty is when you talk about this decade, the Warriors are now the team of this decade. They are they are the team of the 2010s. And when you think about that, they're the team of this decade and the Miami Wade, the LeBron Wade, Bosch, Miami Heat played in this same decade. It's true. And as great as that team was, we're not going to sit here and say that Miami Heat team was better than this Golden State team, are we? Of course not. So uh, Absolutely not. So, yeah, so I think if we're talking about the team of this decade, it's, it's the Warriors, and therefore that makes them a dynasty. Um, just like, you know, the Kobe Lakers were a dynasty. I mean, the Kobe Shaq Lakers were a dynasty in itself because they three-peated. But just um, stretching out across that whole decade, the entire time Kobe was a Laker in his prime and when he got consoled, like that that Laker era was was a dynasty too. That, it was. It was. Because when you look at the team that dominated that decade, it's Kobe and it's the Lakers. So wait, are you saying that even when... So after that first repeat, you're saying that their dynasty continued? Well, the, the, I'm talking about like the whole decade. So they won the three, then they came back, and, and the Kobe Powell Lakers went to th- three straight finals, right? They won two out of three. So that is the Lakers were in the finals for, what is it? I can do math. Seven out of those ten years. They lost two, and they won five. If you're gonna say that, if you're gonna say the Spurs are a dynasty, then that whole time period, mate, inclu- of of time, that's a dynasty run in, in itself too, isn't it? You would have to consider based off that definition of what you just described. Yeah, and I'm just going off the general because you know, you and I both know a lot of people say that that's the Duncan Spurs were a dynasty, right? Because of their continual um, success, but. Using that that same definition, you well, in and of itself, the Shaq Kobe years that's a dynasty. You would you agree? Shaq, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Three P, three straight final. That's a dynasty. They they set the original fi- um playoffs record of only losing one game, which um the Warriors matched last year. Um, so that was a dynasty. But then when you um zoom out even more and you look at it. They went to set the Lakers themselves, the whole and and Kobe, the Kobe Lakers, including Kobe and Shaq, Kobe with Powell, they went to the finals seven years in that decade, and won five of those chips. So that's a that's the Kobe Lakers that whole time. That's a dynasty then. Yes, I'll give it to you. That it was a dynasty. And going up back, so back to your point. This you know this Warriors team is a dynasty. I don't know if they're gonna win next year. I do know that they're probably gonna win at least one more, as you know, before this is done. And there's no reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, and there's no reason why they shouldn't. And like you said, we could be talking about a team that won four straight years. 
you know, I do have to knock them a bit because they didn't. Um, but, you know, not using my definition, using what is supposedly the generally accepted definition, they are a dynasty. We can both agree on that. Right. We can agree with that. So now we got to go to the future. I guess not the legacy, but we'll go to the future of the cast. Because I guess the legacy of this cast team has kind of somehow always been scrappy underdog, even though they have the best player in the league every single time they went to the finals. Which is really weird. I I mean, they, they were. They were kind of the underdogs, but I, I also feel like, and, and, you know, we'll get to that when we talk about his legacy. But I, I also feel like that was a nar- narrative that served LeBron very well these last four years. Because, you know, he got the one ring, so that cements his, that cements his legacy because he got a ring in Cleveland, a team, that, a, a city that didn't win any championships for years and years and years, for decades. So, so that kind of like, that like etched his name in the history books itself. But, you know, this cast team was kind of always seen as like the, the plucky underdog. And we never, you know, we kept forgetting every time they faced the Warriors, we kept forgetting that this was supposed to be a super team that LeBron constructed. And now, as it looks like he's going to leave this team, what is the future of this franchise? This is a team right now that is going in a rebuilding phase. So, be, so you're saying LeBron's be, gone, right? You're you're saying LeBron's gone. I don't see any reason why LeBron would stay. I think if you just read what, everything LeBron is saying and hear what he's saying, he he's kind of telling you he's gone. You know, he's telling you, I want to think about what my family wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I want my family to be in the best position. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, everything outside of basketball. Basketball is not the most important thing. All these things he's saying, and then he's also saying that he wants to win. So I just feel like right now he's probably on a, a tour of talking to his guy, talking to his guys, probably talking to Paul George. You hear a lot of rumors, things like his son has already enrolled for school in California. Yeah. Well, all, all these little things, which, to what is worth, I do believe that he did. Um, to somebody, to something tell me that is true. I don't I, know. I, to me, I look at it this way. I think that that is true, but I also don't think that necessarily indicates where he's playing. Right. Be- because I think they might be. Because as a family, you have to think long term anyway. And if his wife and his kids. This is where they want to. This is where they want to be based for the next four or five years. That still makes sense for them to do now, as they enter, as his kid enters high school, even if he's not going to play in LA right now, because whatever contract he signs is only going to be for one or two years, and then he's going to be thirty-six, and he's going to be thinking about. He's going to decide what he wants to do from there, but it still, it still makes more sense for his family to decide where they want to spend the majority of the year because 
whatever team he plays for, yeah, it's a long season, but there are there are so many pockets of time where, you know, he's not even going to be there physically because he's going to be on the road. Like, so as a family, you could say, okay, we can um, we can see him half the time in Cleveland or we can see him half the time in L.A., you know? Where would you, where would you rather be? Exactly. So, so to that point, that's where I still feel like it's outside of Cleveland. It, it just doesn't seem like his interests are in Cleveland right now, and it's unfortunate because he left his team in shambles. He will have left his team in shambles again, again. Yeah, but that's what he does. He leaves the te- he leaves teams in shambles. But I think this time is different than last time. Um, last time he was a younger player mm-hmm. and he was eight years younger and it was eight years, yeah, eight years younger. Yeah. And at that time he was asking for them to put a team around him. I mean, begging. And, and they made moves. They made moves. Well, hold they on. Made, they made marginal moves. They made Feb- They made trade deadline moves that time too. Just like they did this time. The only difference is um the only difference is they're in a little bit of a better position because they've learned from the first time. Right. And that's why they were like, look, we gotta hold on to this this, this draft pick here. Um, we got a little younger. Well, I mean, hold on. For now. They've held on to it for now. They still haven't drafted the player. Right, and I still worry that they're going to find a way to screw this up. But at the same time, besides just signing players, they also have to find a way to get rid of players. They have to find ways to trade Kevin Love. Kevin Love, I think, is one player who needs to go. I think you need to free up some cap room. I think you need to – you got Tristan Thompson. Don't know anyone who's going to take that contract. J.R. Smith, again, another one. I think they're going to have to live with those. They're going to have to live with those contracts, and it's going to stink. It's going to hurt. But that's the the best thing I think they have is the fact that they do have Kevin Love, who is an asset and someone who teams will pay to have. And I think – Let's flip it on this side. So you trade trade Kevin Love. That still doesn't get you – where you need to be for a rebuild because you still have JR's contract, you still have Tristan Thompson's contract. You're not moving those guys. You just brought in Jordan Clarkson, you just brought in Larry Nance. So, you, and they're young guys, so it really doesn't make sense to flip them either. Um, isn't there a case for really being smart about who you draft with this with this eighth pick? And seeing it, seeing if love can lead these players to a, to a playoff to a playoff seed. No, I I I don't think love is going to be the answer to this team, and I don't. I agree. And, I agree. And, 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 and you know what? I do. I think love and finding a couple other pieces can get this team to the playoffs. Maybe. I mean, it's the East. 
I mean, Th- but that's what I'm saying. Up. That's what I'm saying. But if you're wise, is it about getting to the playoffs or is it about putting yourself in the position that you set yourself up down the road? Part of that would be to draft the right player to um, draft. Well, that's the key. Drafting is the right player. See, because this is the thing. This is a nice draft. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. But this is a good draft to draft. This is a good draft to potentially get a building block type of player. Right. And if you get a building block type of player, well, well, that's what you're ta- that's what you're tanking for anyway in the first place. So if you get that player, you actually give him some early playoff experience, like Utah was able to do with Donovan Mitchell, like Boston was able to do with Jason Tatum and with Jalen Brown last year, and you see how those players, the growth becomes a, li- a bit more exponential because now they have a, a clearer picture of how to get to the top, how to get to the top of their game. Um, also, Ben Simmons, you know, Ben Simmons had a rough second round, but you know what? He's going to, I bet you he's going to be stronger next season and moving forward, having had that playoff experience. So you can say, yeah, but what's the point? You're not going to win the title. But to me, my point is, what's the point? What's the point of tanking and still having, you know, you know, 95% of your cap tied up for the next three years? Yeah, you get to draft this guy, but you don't. You got guys you don't want in your team, and you're not bringing in the guys you want to put around these young players to make them better. But then what do you do? Are we saying that they should continue to try to ride out with what you have right here? I think they should. If you can't get rid of J.R. Smith and you can't get rid of Tristan Thompson— I honestly don't see the gain of trading Kevin Love. I really don't. Because right now, you it depends on what you can get for him. Okay, I mean, that's you true. Have, you, you, you have to listen. You, you just have to... So what do you think they could honestly get for Kevin Love? Do you think they get another lottery pick in this draft plus another young player? I think they could. You think... I'm a little skeptical because I do feel like this team has also hurt his value. And to me, if you really want to get max money or max return, why not bring him back next year when he's the number one option? And remind remind all these teams of how good he actually is. Because he's injury prone. Right well, that's now, already on the docket, so that's already hurting your tr- his trade value. Right. So, I mean, your, your only your only other thing that I can possibly think that would work in this scenario is if you say hold on to Kevin Love to the trading deadline. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, what's what's the what's the benefit of trading him now as opposed to February? You you say, oh, well, he might get hurt. But you know what? Any team that's trading for him now is docking you for the fact that he always gets hurt. So you might as well you might as well roll the dice and hope he stays healthy as a number one option and becomes a lot more enticing for another team. I hear you. I hear you. 
And I think there's a valid point to be made to waiting to the trade deadline to trade him or to try to boost his value. And I, I also think there's value in them just going to the playoffs. There's There's monetary value in that. There's also organizational value in that. And I think whatever young players you have on this team moving on, moving next season without LeBron, there's value in that as well for those players that you're potentially looking at to keep keep you on the right path post-LeBron. Because, you know what, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, yeah, they're not your answer for where do you go post-LeBron. But they can be a nice bridge that gets the play you do need post-LeBron to gain the experience he needs to get there. I'm just afraid of them being that bridge. If you're Cleveland right now and that's the plan. I get it, I but you can't move them. Be, you can't move them. You can't move. It, it, it's tough, especially J, especially JR and Tristan Thompson. That's what I'm saying. Those two guys, it's, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're wrong and some team will take them on. I don't think so. But, but so my, and, my, and that's my thing is like, yeah, you can move love today, and you could probably get a pretty good package. You could probably get a decent package. But if you're not moving Tristan and JR2, the ones you really need to move, I feel like it's a waste to trade Kevin Love. Because you trade Kevin Love as part of a rebuild that you cannot actualize because those other those other big contracts are still on the team. You see my point? So the realization is that this team is what it is currently is right now. It's stuck. It's stuck. Like, this team is stuck. But And I'm saying you have two options if you're stuck. You can either just, and this is what they did last time. Last time LeBron left, you know what? They just packed it in, and they tanked for several years. And you know what? If LeBron hadn't come back, they were probably still going to be bad for another three or four years. Because, you know, we look at, you know, they drafted Anthony Bennett. That was terrible. Kyrie. Kyrie was a good player, but the three years he was there, this team was not progressing to something better. He needed a player. He needed, an, he needed a player of LeBron's stature to get him to the playoffs, to show him where he needed to expand his game, and then he hit another level. I don't think Kyrie would ever hit that level if he's just playing to, on 30-win teams for the next two or three years. So there's, so there's no quick fix. The there, team, there isn't. But there never is. There's never a quick fix. There never is. There right. never is. There never is, there's, especially when you're looking at players like you have here. And when yeah. you have a guy like JR whose stock cannot be any lower right now. I mean, there's different ideologies. There's different ideologies. Um, you can tank. But like we talked about tanking. Look at Orlando. Look at Sacramento. Look at Phoenix. Look at all these teams. Like... There's no end in sight to the tank. And then you look at a team like Houston. Houston never tanked. They ended up with two superstars on their team. Utah doesn't tank. They lost a superstar. They seemingly drafted a replacement superstar. You've got to you've got to trust the you've got to trust your organization to make right choices. And if you don't trust them to make right choices, then yeah, you got to start over because you didn't hire the right people. And 
you can't hire someone just just so he can kick the can down four years. That's basically what Orlando did with Hannigan. All he really did was just kick the can down four years, and he was gonna kick the can down another four years by trading all the because he traded Old Depot. He was trading out for Payton. He's moving on all these guys. You can't just come. You can't just perpetually rebuild. You gotta build towards something, and and that was, you know, that was seemingly the reason why Philly brought in Colangelo. But honestly, if you look at the timetable, once Embiid got healthy and once Simmons was healthy, this team was competing regardless. Right. So. And now it's just a matter of adding pieces and adding players and building it. Exactly. So, you know, if Kobe Altman, now this is where Kobe Altman makes his money, basically, right? This is where this is basically now where he proves how good or bad of a GM he is, because now he has to go and build a post-LeBron team. Can he do it? This is what we're gonna find out. But and I hear what you're saying about rebuilding, and if they could move all those contracts, I agree with you. But they're they're not gonna be able to do that. And any and if they were able to do that, it was pro- it's probably gonna involve moving the pick that they need to keep in the first place. Right. You don't need to move that pick. So I'm going to agree with you in this one. I'm going to agree that right now is not the best time to trade Kevin Love. The best time to trade Kevin Love will be during the trade deadline when you have a a team who's in a position on a playoff run who can definitely use him and will probably do whatever it takes in order to get value from him. So, I agree with that. Um, during this offseason, I would try to find a way to trade JR and Tristan Thompson. It's probably not going to happen. They, they're probably going to be stuck with them. But you never know. There could always be a team out there. Um, not JR, but maybe more Tristan Thompson who can use his skill set. Um, yeah. Not sure. Yeah. I mean, but teams can use his skill set. It's just not at that contract. Yeah, it's not that contract. But, you know, you, uh, we've seen crazier. You know, it's definitely better than what Memphis is trying to do. In oh, yeah. Creating Parsons in the fourth and wanting someone to take that contract after he's averaged seven points a game has played only 70 out of 164 games. Okay, yeah. no one's taking that. That's that's also a very short-sighted move for them to trade, for them to throw in the number four, number four pick just so they can they can get get off of Parsons' contract. To but, me, what to me what that is is uh, let me put a sweetener on it to get you talking, and then do the old switcheroo. Mm, yeah, I don't think that's gonna work either. But anyway, ain't this ain't this ain't a Memphis pod. We're not talking about them too it'll, much. It'll never be a Memphis pod. All right, so that's the Cavs. I gotta talk to you about LeBron. First of all, I gotta get your thoughts on LeBron's hand, the cast, the whole thing. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, my thought was, I thought I actually wanted to give. Dud of the week to Brian Windhorst. And 
I know <laughs> why. I know why. Bit, but I told you right then and there, like, yo, he deserves Dud of the Week. Yeah. Cavs just lose the finals. They like, say, let's turn it over to Brian. Brian gets the mic, and he's like, yes, and LeBron's been playing with a broken hand. Uh, okay. That came off as the biggest excuse I've ever heard. He was playing with a broken hand, and that's why, yeah. you know, he stopped shooting. Yeah. This is why he stopped driving. All right. My thoughts on it. LeBron broke his hand, or he had a, a, a contusion on his hand. Self-inflicted. Okay. I get it. To me, you cannot be LeBron James and use a hand contusion as the way, as the reason why you stop shooting. Um, but did he stop shooting though? Well, he stopped shooting from the outside, like he was before. Okay, I have his game logs. I have his game logs. So game one, phenomenal night. He had the fifty-one point night. Took thirty-two shots. He took seven threes. Right. Game two, the very next game after he allegedly got the the contusion, punched the whiteboard, whatever it was. Ten for twenty, but still, like that's not that's not crazy, right? He still put up twenty shots. He took four threes. You also got to remember they got smacked that game because that that was when the game got away from them. Curry hit the nine threes, so. Some of that shot, some of those shot attempts were, some of that being that he shot less was because the game got away much earlier. Game three, much closer game the whole way through. That was Katie's big night. LeBron took 28 shots, took six threes. He was one for six, but he was 13 for 28. LeBron's not really a great three point shooter to begin with, so him going one for six is not. That unbelievable. So he still shot 46% overall for the night. Had 33, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Game 4 took 13 shots. But that game got out of hand real quick as well. So the two games where he didn't really shoot as much were the two games that the Warriors kind of blew them out. Lower shot attempts go hand in hand with your team getting blown out. His shot from the outside to the eye test weren't there. Even points when he's got the ball and when you know that this is a point where he rise will rise up, especially after the way he shot in game one, especially how you saw he was dismantling Toronto. You would have thought you would have saw a lot more of LeBron, especially with that with that shooting him his shooting ability at that point. Golden I, State was not Toronto. He wasn't even shooting like he did against Toronto against Boston. Right, I agree, but it just disappeared. And no, no, no. But I, I'm just you, just just stick with me here. And according to everyone else. He was missing a whole lot of layups, and he was missing a lot of layups. I just thought, like, when I was watching it, I was just saying, LeBron, you were just too big. Yeah, because then people started focusing on the left-handed finishes and things like that. So, Um, 
but but to go back on that, I think all of that is a lame excuse. This is gamesmanship. This is gamesmanship from LeBron. LeBron is trying to put that seed of doubt. He's like, all right, y'all swept me, but you know what? My hand was broke. So imagine if my hand wasn't broken, what would have happened? Exactly. I don't think that for a second. And I think it's very, 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 very lame. Even the hand, even the cast. The cast, to me, was the most annoying thing. He didn't wear a cast any other day. He says, you know what? I didn't want... I really wasn't going to let y'all know about it, but since the news came out, I figured I might as well wear the cast now. That's lame because you know why? You know why it's lame? Because the person that put the news out there, Brian Windhorse, Brian Windhorse is LeBron's mouthpiece. If LeBron does not want something to get out there, Brian Windhorse is not going to put it out there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It was all a plan. It was all... A show like I mean his uh, hand was hurt his hand was broke when LeBron threw that ball off the backboard and dunked it with such such anger with such ferocity did, did, did it look like his almost hand was hurting did, did you see the game two or game three video where he like gave like his son like a whole like handshake routine and he did it with his right hand Duh, did it look like a person's hand was hurt? He gave his son the handshake. He gave everyone his handshake. Did it seem like he was in such dire pain? Or when he was leaving the court and he was dabbing up everybody, did he switch his hand and go to his left He only hand? did that game four. He only did it on game four because the excuse was already primed and ready to go. So, I think it's all... A show, I, I, and I think, yeah, and I, and I think that was 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 pretty lame. I mean, if Brian, we know Brian Windhorse is LeBron's mouthpiece, and I think it goes hand in hand. If Le, if, if Windhorse said what he said, and LeBron didn't come out with the cast, I was still kind of been like, oh boy, okay, but the fact that he came out with the cast. And it didn't even look like a real cast. I mean, it was a it was a real cast, but it was like, come on, LeBron. Are you meaning to tell me you couldn't wait till you got home to put to do something with that thing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is this, is this little thing that you just got on your hand going to stabilize your hand and make you feel better? No, it's not. You just have this thing on because you want to become that sympathetic, sorry figure, and it, it's just not gonna happen. And, and I just feel like that just that just rubbed me the wrong way. And every and once he did that, I went back and I looked at everything else. And I'm I'm looking at when he walked out on the interview in game one, and I'm thinking about some of his comments after games two and three. And it's all like, man, are you just trying to dupe us or just trying to make us feel bad for you? Like, yeah, he is. He is. Like, the, come on, man. Nah. This is the this is this is that part of LeBron. It doesn't come out as much as it used to when he's younger, but this is that part of LeBron where he needs to make the story about himself. He Stop needs, trying to create the narrative. Yeah, Just, he needs to make the he needs to control the narrative. He needs to make the narrative always come back to him. Um and yeah, this this was lame. This was lame. 
Um, and you know what? It, it it sets us up to start talking about all of these guys' legacies, and we can start off with LeBron. Um, first of all, I don't want to have any goat discussion. No, we're not. not we're not going to do that here. Um, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna roast him for the three and six in the finals. Nope. I'm not gonna do that. Um. But when we talk, when we talk in terms of legacy, and you know, me and you have gone gone back and forth about what team he's going to go to, and I know there's all this talk about L.A. and going to the Lakers, but stuff like that, stuff like what happened with the hand. Stuff like what happened with him and Crowder and Isaiah Thomas this year, and then Crowder and Isaiah Thomas immediately playing better when they leave that team. Um, things like the the letter and the decision before that, and how in the letter he specifically did not mention certain young players, and as soon as he gets to the team, those young players are traded. Those, to me, are just as part as much part of his legacy as all the statistics and the awards he has and for me i i feel like you know 10 years from now those things are gonna go away and we're just gonna talk about the way he played and how great of a player he was but in the here and now as we talk about it it's it's just really interesting to me how I think a part of his legacy is always going to be how he controlled the narrative. It will be. It will be. And I think we're going to look back and when he retires, whether it's in four years or six years, whatever it might be, we're going to say it's, you know, this is a person who was in control. He wanted to control not only what he did on the court, but he also wanted to control how he was perceived off the court. And he wanted to make sure that he was in full control the whole time. And I think this past week was a clear example of that. And I think that is something that's going to play over the next several years. Because guess what? It's one of the things that the media has gotten used to, mm-hmm. and there's nothing they're going to do about it to stop it. So, of course, yeah. LeBron's still going to keep that narrative. He's still going to be yeah. LeBron and still, you know, say what he wants to say, take shots at the media with a smile or anyone else. And that's, that's, it is what it is. For yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about it. Another thing we got to remember too is like, but this this generation coming up now, he's their MJ. You know, he's their he's their Jordan. Um, there's a lot of people younger than us that they're coming up and and they didn't see Jordan. They saw Kobe at the end of his career, and you know, to them, LeBron is the greatest. But part of that is, and this is what I mean about legacy, like this this stuff, like this this narrative stuff. This is the legacy he leaves, and this is the legacy other future stars are going to imitate when they when they imitate LeBron. And I think first and foremost, you got to look at the other person who is basically seen as his peer and his rival in this series. The next person, Kevin Durant. I feel like Kevin Durant is directly 
um, influenced by the legacy LeBron is, is leaving in it th- from his career. Oh, he is. I, I, I do believe that. And, you know, we can go in, we can get into KD's because, like, me and you, we both felt like this specific Finals MVP trophy, this one felt like it should have been Steph's. But, you know, now he's a back-to-back Finals MVP. He's a back-to-back champion now. Um, he is now the guy that beat LeBron two years in a row in the NBA Finals. Because, you know, Stephen A and... You know, Max Kellerman, our first take. They last two years they've been talking like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Draymond Green don't even don't even play for the Warriors once the finals is over. It's all about KD showed how he's the best player on the planet. It was KD versus LeBron. You know, they they basically relegate everyone to to you know sidekicks and role players and make this narrative that is KD versus LeBron. And that is that is basically the overall narrative of these finals matchups now, ever since he came to Golden State. So he he's basically seen as the torchbearer as, you know, the the he's basically do you think Katie is like basically at this point where he is now um on par with LeBron or catching up to LeBron and is going to have this legacy where he's eventually the greatest player in the league and the greatest player of the the generation. Uh no, um, they're they're um, they're too close together in age. They're they're too close together. Their their careers are gonna overlap by such a great amount that yeah. by the time we actually start talking about KD, and we have talked about it. Um, you also have LeBron, who's never gonna let you forget that he's still here. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's just not it's just not gonna happen. I mean, it's and it's no and there's no real complete knock on KD for that. It just came in at the wrong time, you know. Had he came in in a couple years from now and is doing what he's doing, I think it'll been a little different. And we're not gonna act like KD is all. You know, doesn't have any scars. He does. Um, I mean, we are talking about the same one who we could argue, you know, played on. You know, they were up three-one against Golden State, and they mm-hmm. lost. And then he and joined that then team. He went and joined that team. That is part of the narrative. We, yeah. I we think... can go and look at. We can look at some of his comments. We can look at. Um, how when they went to the finals against Miami and they lost 4-1, we can... There's, there's several things we can point at. Now, do I think these things are going to affect his legacy? No. Um, I think more so the fact that he joined this stacked team. That, of course. That, to me, is going to be the thing that they're going to look at. It's an asterisk, basically. It's right. kind of like an asterisk. And the, the word, the phrase I think of when I think of Katie's legacy is perfect storm because there was a perfect storm of events that allowed him to join this team you know if him and OKC never blow that 3-1 lead he never goes to Golden State if Golden State doesn't blow a 3-1 lead in the finals against Cleveland he probably never goes to Golden State if the cap didn't balloon the way that it did that summer 
he probably never goes to Golden State. If Steph Curry never had bad ankles his first several years in the league, they don't have the money to try and offer KD. And then he doesn't go to Golden State. So they were just like a perfect storm of events that allowed him to go there. And that's basically, I think, going to be part of KD's legacy. Because part of KD's legacy is the, you know, seismic change that came to the league by him joining that team. Right. And and he's and he's ultimately going to be known as the guy who kind of made the league uneven, so to speak. That's what's going to happen. Is he is going to be remembered as the one who changed the narrative of the league. If he stayed in OKC, um I think that we were going to be headed towards another OKC Golden State showdown. Right. I mean, even if he had other options too. I mean, if he had went to the Wizards, even even if he went to Boston, remember he was really thinking about going to Boston too. Right. They were real players. They were trying to sign Horford and Durant. Part of the reason they signed Horford was because they thought it was going to help um, solidify the deal in getting Durant. A lot of people forget that because Horford was thinking about going to OKC and that was the first telltale sign that Durant was just not going to resign there because Horford was honestly thinking about going to play for OKC because they had his old college coach, Billy Donovan, and they had just came off a really good year and he could have been the cementing piece to make OKC an NBA champion. But... He didn't get that commitment from KD. Then there was this talk about potentially both of them going to Boston. Horford went to sign with Boston. He was literally really thinking about going to Boston. Then the whole Hamptons thing happened when all those guys went and spoke to him in the Hamptons after he had met with Boston, seemingly probably getting ready to sign with Boston. And then they all went there and, you know, and they recruited him and the rest is history. You know, but imagine if he was on Boston instead of going to Golden State. Right. You know, LeBron wouldn't. LeBron might not even have the extra finals appearances he has now. He wouldn't, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if that Boston team beats that Cleveland team. Not really sure. Not really sure. This is also saying. This is also assuming that they don't have Kyrie. And well, well, Cleveland would have still had Kyrie. You know, they wouldn't have. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have Gordon Hayward, but we still don't know what that looks like anyway, because Gordon Hayward hasn't played for them. Right, and so you know, still, I get your point. The point is, he went to a front-running team. He didn't have to build anything. He came onto a stack team, and he just had to learn his role and Mm -hmm. his game, and right, he went. And that has kind of affected the way we look at KD right now. It also affects the next guy who we're going to talk about, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Like we talked about. Well, he's got three NBA championships right now. He's the back to back regular season MVP. He has not one finals MVP to his name. And 
the rest of this the rest of this era of the gore of the warriors play the way the way the rest of this period with the warriors is going to play out is he's second fiddle like this was a dude that made this franchise into what it is none of what golden state has right now happens without steph curry like he was truly a franchise changing player and he's not going to get that credit now he's really not because you know the first championship people want to give an asterisk because Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt they were like oh you know if Kyrie and Kevin Love were healthy LeBron would have had his ring and in 2016 did not help dissuade that you know what i mean right but the fact of the matter is this dude he won in 2015 Think about where this Warriors team was when they drafted him, right? And think of where they got to. And they got all the way to a championship. They got they won 73 games. KD wasn't on that team. A team that beat the record of a team that had Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan on it. Steph Curry was the best player on that team. He was back-to-back MVP regular season. And... He's gonna be he's gonna be considered a secondary guy the rest of his career in Golden State. Exactly. And hopefully he doesn't get hurt again, but then that's gonna affect him. But right now, to your point, for all the stuff that Curry's able to do, his three point ability, his ball handling, his ability to create shot, all that's going to kinda go in the back burner, you know, because right now Mm-hmm. This team, while people may not want to quickly say it, to a lot of people's eyes, this is KD's team. Oh yeah, we've seen that already. The fact that he has the back-to-back Finals MVPs, um, the the way the narrative goes, the last two Finals. I mean, everyone views this as KD's team. They view him as the best player on that team. Um, you know, but the fact of the matter is, I I think there's a lot more. Like I think, like ten, fifteen years from now, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be disappointed that we didn't give Steph Curry his due, because I think when it gets zoomed out, you're really gonna see how he was a much more impactful player to this league than KD was. That's a good point, and I mean the three point shot, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson too, both of them. But Steph Curry, like, led the way in this. He he has changed the way, way people play basketball. Like, the three-point shot has become such a greater weapon because of what Steph Curry has done. He shattered so many three-point records. Like, the, the three-point, what was it? It was, like, 290-something Reggie Miller had in a season. And, like, Steph Curry finished with, like, 400 the year right. he broke it. And then he broke that record the next year. And no one's ever seen something like that. Yeah, no one's ever seen anything like this. And he was doing it shooting over 40%. The whole court is basically... You got to guard him basically the whole length of the court. And there's never been a player like that. Right. You know, we talk about the way people change the game. Like, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, they, they revolutionized the league in the 80s with the way they passed, the way they were, you know... They were these players, they were 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and they could do everything. That was different. Nobody has saw that before. And, you know, we have players like LeBron 
because of the way Magic Johnson played. Um, Jordan, you know, goes without saying how he changed the game, play, the way he played above the rim, you know, the way he, the way he um, perfected the isolation game, things like that. I mean, guys like Kobe, all, all Tracy McGrady, like all these, we don't get those guys if Jordan doesn't come, right? So imagine all the players we're going to get now in this league because of the door Steph Curry opened. And, and when I haven't heard the term Splash Brothers in a while either. Yeah, yeah, you don't even talk about, you don't even bring that up no more. It's gone. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, I think what we're saying is, there's a legacy there, there's a very important legacy there when we talk about Steph, but it's just drowned out by the legacy KD has established. And not necessarily a flattering legacy, but but it's still a legacy all the same, and that's drowning out Steph's legacy as they play on the same team. Right. Very interesting stuff here. So, yeah, so I, I think those are really, like, the biggest takeaways from the finals. Um, you know, we've got other stuff coming up. Draft is going to come up. Free agency is going to come up. But we have time, so we'll we'll get into those like another another episode. Also, you know, um, end of the month NBA awards are gonna finally be given out, so we'll be able to talk about that when they come out. Um, I think at this point we gotta we gotta talk about dude and dud of the week. So really? let me give you the drum roll, and let's let's go. All right, I'm gonna do my first one. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna talk about Draymond Green's shirt. Yes, let's talk about Draymond Green's shirt. Thank you. Let's do that. Awesome. Awesome. That is, that's the perfect way to troll somebody. I mean, <laughs> that that is ninth level trolling right there. Like, like I saw all the experience points shatter the gauge as he walked with that shirt in. <laughs> Like if it was a video game, he like you just, you would just kept seeing the 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 level bar number just keep rising. That was a troll of of epic proportions. I mean, it was perfect. It was the perfect shirt. So, yes, gotta give it up to him. Man, troll level over nine thousand. For real. I mean, yeah. Yeah. the Arthur Fist. With the three rings, it was just perfect. With the years on it, uh, yeah, the detail, yeah, it's all in the details. And then, and then, Draymond want to go a step further and just like hit up. He want to just like touch up Tristan Thompson one last time, <laughs> like just just to add insult to injury. Oh man, it was good. It was good. That's a good dude. That I mean, that is the dude. That was perfect. But you, you know, one? yeah, I have another one. I mean, I know it's early. We're not we're not talking about draft yet. But I'm gonna give this isn't to an actual person, but I'm gonna give dude of the week to Michael Porter Jr.'s draft stock. I'm gonna give it up to his draft stock because, you know, and and to his agent too because Michael Porter Jr. he had one, he had one workout, cancels his second workout. We find everyone finds out he cancels his second workout because he has a strained hip. 
Teams are flying in people to review his medicals. He missed all, pretty much all of his college season due to a severe back injury, right? Where there was surgery, he had to get um, work done on his vertebrae. Very intensive stuff, very serious injury. And despite all of that, today it comes out that the Kings might take him second overall. Like, how this dude, who was potentially a Nick, dra- Nick draft at, at number nine, get hurt in a workout, have teams flying out to review the medicals, but he's still climbing up the draft charts? I don't get it either. When it's I phenomenal. Was looking, when it's I was phenomenal. looking him up, I was just like, wow, this can be a super pick. He can, he's going to drop. Just because of his lack of playing college, just because of his injury history, there's no way. There's no way he's going to be top five. And just to hear that report, and I thought he could drop eight. Shoot, he even dropped to the Sixers. Because I didn't think people were going to say, look, we we can't, we don't want to take a chance on his injury history. And for anyone, any team, who would take a chance on an injured player would be the Sixers. I just thought he was going to drop. And yeah. now hearing that he's going to go this high, wow. I mean, it's a real game changer. Like, there was potential to see him on some interesting teams. Like, Cleveland could have took him at eight. That would have been very interesting, whether LeBron stayed or left. Could have saw him going to nine to the Knicks. That would have been very interesting as well. And, or like even like to the Sixers, like you were saying. And now we're seeing him going to... Now, let me put this out there. I think he has an amazing game. And if he's healthy, I think he can be a really, really good player. To me, it's just so amazing to see him have all these health concerns, but his stock still rising. Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid was the consensus number one pick. Joel Embiid arguably should have still perhaps been drafted number one overall even despite the injury concerns, you know he had he had a, he had a, some back issues in Kansas, and then he ended up breaking his foot before the draft, and he fell all the way to what was it like sixth or seventh? Oh, that Philly picked him. I forgot. Yeah, you went to three. Oh, it was just three. Okay, so he went to three behind Wiggins and Parker. But that was the consensus number one one pick, and I think everyone knew. Everyone knew he still was the best player in the draft, but the but the health concerns put scared the first two teams away, right? Now we got Porter. Porter was was Porter was never consensus top five this whole this whole year. In high school, he was considered potentially the number one player, but during this whole college season, all of these other guys started leapfrogging him: DeAndre Ayton. Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson, and not just because he was hurt, but because their games legitimately started blossoming. And then you also have Luka Doncic coming from Europe. So, you know, it was never, like, really clear that he was consensus top one, even top three healthy. And then he has all these health concerns, and he's shooting back up to number two. It's, it's really it's really unheard of to me. Well, we ain't gotta wait too long. Yeah. Next next Thursday. Yeah, next Thursday. So let's let's get to the duds. Let's get to the duds because I got some good duds. So first dud, 
Dud goes to LeBron James cast. <laughs> I block that. I refute it. It's a dud. Sorry. We talked about it enough before. I just wanted to give it a little shout out as a dud. And I also add Brian Windhorst in there. Brian Windhorst, yeah. He's a dud. He might be a perpetual dud after this one. Um, and last but not least, Bob Myers. Golden State GM. For making the most awkward comments during the Golden State Warriors championship parade celebration. Leif, what was up with that? What was up with that? You know, I think he got caught up, caught into the what's going on around him. To say um, the least. I, I think he, I actually think he tried to make a joke. And it just yeah. wasn't the time. No. It wasn't. So, if you haven't heard, essentially, you know, the announcer, I think, the broadcaster, he was talking to Kerr, he was talking to Myers. You know, and he was basically, you know, he basically was asking Myers. Um, also, I heard that Kirk can basically ask for whatever he wants in his next contract. You know, and they were laughing, and then Myers was like, you know, I said that as a joke. He can't really get whatever he wants. You know, we, we, we got to be, let's not get crazy. That was all well and good. And then the broadcaster points out, oh, but, you know, you told Steph that he could basically get whatever he asked for in his contract. And Myers basically goes, oh, well, you know, that was different. Steph, Steph was here from day one, so he paid his dues. He earned that. And Kevin Durant's just like sitting in the front row as he says that. What a way to try to lose your player. I know. Kevin Durant, who could could move, right? He could leave, right? Who? Kevin Durant. Yeah, he could leave. Yeah, I think he has that option or or whatever. Um, but even besides that, it, it you know, we're talking about legacies and we also you know, it just goes to show um, you know, Durant he's got his chips, he's got his finals MVPs, but I, I think he's gonna have to live with the fact that he's a man without a home now. Because this Warriors team they don't embrace him the way they embrace Steph. The cheers are just not the same. I mean, I mean, I've been heard. I heard other people like like Bill Simmons was talking about one one podcast. Like he was at Oracle, and when when Curry hit those nine threes, he was like, "These fans will never cheer for Katie the way they cheered for Steph because he's theirs." You know, they drafted him. He's like one of their own, and at this point. You can't look at Katie as anything other than a hired gun, right? Yeah. But the but the fascinating point to me was even the front office thinks of Katie like that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Katie came here as part of a business decision. Curry's here as family, so. I know, but it's it's just so fascinating that like you know these GMs, these owners, like you 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 kind of feel like they think of 
all of these players just as assets and and business contracts and and, and just things that they can you know as long as it goes good they stay but if they have to move them they move them you know kind of the way Danny Ainge operates um but here with this with Bob Myers with Joe Lake there's actually I think there's actually a different vibe there like they actually think about it of like you know who are our day ones who are the ones that got us here and things like that which is fascinating to me yeah you know and after you know and we remember we were talking about you know like who's gonna leave like who might be the ones that go and you know i was even talking about how like maybe steph might go one day like go play in charlotte or something and you know play on teams that his dad played for i don't know anymore like the way he said that like the this front office this ownership group it seems like they want steph to be a lifer in golden state and and if they're thinking of him like like they're dirk he's not gonna leave because basically what's gonna happen is durant's gonna get all the pub he's gonna get all the press he's gonna get those trophies but behind closed doors steph is gonna get the star treatment yep and 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 that's what and that's really what KD created. Mm-hmm. It's what created created. And you know what? And that's what you're going to see from LeBron. He's going to discover the same thing. Yeah. But you know what? This goes in line, you know, with what the new wave is. Where teams, when players stayed with their teams and they almost became like family, you 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 knew they were going to be there year in year out that was their team right players now are more concerned about their personal brand and so since they're more concerned about their personal brand they're like regardless of where i play um i'm still going to have my shoe right. i'm still going to have my number and i'm still going to have my name on my back and my stats where i play is up to me and it doesn't matter what team that's for and i think that's where KD's at right now, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why you have Curry, someone who's homegrown, someone who's been there for a while, for his whole career. Someone like Clay, someone like Draymond. Yeah. These are people who are beloved. That I know. they know. I mean, LeBron stays in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, it's a whole different dynamic. He goes to Miami. Not so much. He's just there. He's a good. He's a great player, but Wade is their guy. Different. Yeah, he's just their guy. It's different. Yeah. And so that's what the KD experience is right now. And honestly, I don't think KD cares. I, I I honestly do not think he cares. He he's probably happy getting his money, getting his awards, getting his accolades, and you know the whole story of legacy. I mean, him saying things like "I'm think I might retire in five years." Uh, I, I don't know. I just think right now he doesn't care. But going back to Bob Myers, I mean, that was tacky. Um, I'm surprised he said that. The broadcaster even says something silly. I think he says something to the extent of, you know, I have to stand next to you, KD, or in front of you because, or while you're still here. Because Yeah, yeah. Something so, like enjoy, enjoy him while he's still there or something. It was all bad. 
So they get duds for that. They get duds for that. And I mean that's it, man. I think that's 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 where we at. That's the show. Thank everybody for listening. Um please uh please keep on listening, keep on uh downloading on SoundCloud, keep you know, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review if you could. Um keep following us on Twitter, on Facebook, at Twitter, on uh, on Twitter at Pace and Space Pod, and then on Facebook on Facebook.com slash pace and space podcast. Um that's it, man. We we had a great recap of the finals and and all the all the narratives we want to talk about this week. Um, you know, Leif, anything else you want to add to it? Yeah, it's been a great season, you know. But even though the season's over, I mean, we're still got plenty of basketball to talk about. We still have the draft. We still have the awards. We still have free agency, and we're going to keep giving you a pod all throughout the summer, straight in to the next NBA season so we have plenty to talk about you know we do look forward to hearing your hearing you and hearing from you and seeing your responses on Twitter and all our other social media outlets so please keep listening and as always stay woke and stay mellow peace think twice unless you're in a rush you got somewhere to be and you need this cut as fast as possible you don't get in that empty chair there's a reason that chair is empty Kevin Love sat in that chair. But you know what? If this was, if that was a purposeful chop up, he might have to go to dude of the week instead of dud of the week. (laughs) But if he's just some dude that don't know what he's doing, he's a dud. He's a dud. I think we have to identify this, Barbara. Yeah, we gotta do some investigative reporting. and, And and if and if we find out that he actually is a Golden State fan and that he actually did this on purpose. He absolutely becomes the dude. And then we have to make Kevin Love the dud just for going to that barber. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Love has it hard enough. I don't want to give him any dud awards. Yeah, I mean, man. But I got one more dud. Okay, hit me. Yeah, one more dud. I'm going to give it to Kendrick Perkins. I still... (laughs) don't know what wasn't this dude on like his couch his couch (laughs) wasn't he like on kevin garnett's show wasn't he like just sitting on the couch and then they have one roster spot left and oh no let us not look at the hundred plus possible nba free agents who can Maybe give LeBron a few minutes to rest. No, 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 none of those guys. No. Let's call Kendrick Perkins. Put him in here. And do you know what? There were t- there were a few shots of Kendrick Perkins that annoyed me. Mm-hmm. One was, of course, you already talked about him putting his foot on the court. Right. And trying to trip Curry. That was annoying. But the second one was after they beat the Celtics and they were going in the back to celebrate and he had uh, Eastern Conference final champion hat on his head (laughs) and he's walking in there and I think he had a jersey on and everything too and I saw him there and it's like really? You? What did you do? 
And then now I hear him talking and yo. But that's what he's there for. That they signed him to do everything he's been doing because LeBron likes that. I mean, a lot of these dudes like it. I mean, when he was on OKC, like Kevin Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, they loved that dude. I think he's just he's just the big thug people like having in their life. But then, but then it's like a warm blanket. Makes you feel you, safe. Did you see the choice words that KD have for Perkins? Well, yeah, they're not on the same team now. Oh yeah, that was us. So that was like, oh, oh. Well, that's that's because uh, that's because Kendrick Perkins uh flipped them off while he was doing yeah. the press conference. Talk about friendship, huh? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. That goes away fast sometimes. But and, and uh, that's why, and that's why he's talking and saying, yeah, you don't want any part of me, man. I'll say put Kendrick in for a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Oh, you know what? I just as I'm thinking about this, I feel like we have to kind of give like a semi due to the semi due to the week to somebody. Who's that? Like like a like a B B side due to the week. I want to kind of give some credit to Javel McGee. You know, he's had he had some good games. He had a couple good games here. Yeah, like I've been watching him, and it's like I mean, he's been playing well. Yeah, they dusted him off, and he came out there. I mean, he got blocked by the rim, but uh, other than that, he's been pretty good. Yeah, but of course, you get blocked by the rim. No one worries about that because you didn't grab the ball with four point seven seconds left and ran the other way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's you some somehow. Javel McGee got blocked by the rim, and he's not the Shaq thing of fool of the finals. Funny, that the, you know, the only thing that would have made that JR thing worse is if he ran back and actually crossed half court and got a backcourt violation. Yeah, that would have been. That would have been. <laughs> Golden State got the ball back. That would have been even worse. Because then at that point, you just realize he doesn't remember what side of the court he's on. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I. So since you gave a shout out to Jamil McGee, I'm gonna give a shout out to Sean Livingston too. Cause it, has he even missed in the playoffs yet? I don't even I know if he's missed. He missed one shot. Yeah, like, and it's not like he only took like three. Like this dude like went five for five, like six for six, in two of these games. Like he's taking shots. I mean, you got guys like this coming off the bench playing ten to fifteen minutes a game, and. Not to just bring this guy's name up again, but they're doing more than jailers. Oh my goodness, this guy is horrible. He's so horrible. Yeah, I mean, he's so hard. We feel bad. We feel bad for you, LeBron. Like you know, you should you should have a better team than this in the NBA Finals. But you know what? This is on the East. This is the East's fault. This is the team you let through, everybody. Boston, Orlando. Toronto, this this is the team you let through. All right, this one's on you guys. Yep. Boston said, "Hey, we would have had a better series." That's what Terry Rozier said. I know. Terry well, you know what, Rozier? Terry beat Cleveland. Don't lose at home in Game Seven. Yeah, you were up three. Were they up three two in the series? They were up three two. They and were up three lost? two. So nah. He's the last person that should talk. He. He practically single-handedly lost Game Seven for Boston. Right, 
not. You couldn't. You couldn't make anything that game. So yeah, no, you have nothing to say. Yeah. So it's like last year, you know, Wizards lose to Boston in seven. Then Boston gets handled by Cleveland, and then you know John Wall wants to be like, well, I felt like we would have matched up better with them. Well, then beat the team. Beat the team you got in front of you. Exactly. That's all it is, man. No one, no one wants this. That hypothetical. Give us, give us the series that everyone yeah, thought. Get you there. Us. Get there. Get to that series, and then we can talk. Be like those other teams and just be quiet. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't heard DeRozan say anything or Lowry well, say he, anything. He better, he better not. He better not. Olin Depot's in the gym, getting ready for next season as right. well. He should. That's right. He called his trainer like day after they lost. Like, let's get back to it. I like him. He's he. Watch out for him. I think he's gonna keep improving. Yeah. So those are the kind of things you got to be quiet on. And look, next time we have this, next time we talk, have this pod, um, Golden State should be the champions. Mm-hmm. And um, we're gonna just do a quick finals recap. I mean, I don't anticipate us talking much about it, but yeah. it'll just be a game four recap. It'll be a game and four then recap. We'll, you know, we'll do a little free agency preview. Might talk the draft ahead of the the picks. Um, but until then, I mean, tomorrow's game four, so stay tuned. We'll find out. I mean, it's possible this could go to the to Sunday, but I think we're done. I think we're done tomorrow night. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Unless they want to do a a gentleman sweep, but nah, I think it's over. I agree. I concur. Well, Leif, this has been real. It was good to catch back up. Um, we gave ourselves a lot to discuss, but it's finally. it was good to get back on the mic and talk some basketball with you, as always. So this was good. Um, and thank everybody for listening. You know how to reach us. We said in the outset of the show, um, keep listening. You know, Leif, talk to the people. Sign off for us. Man, thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying the playoffs. It's been good. But as always, we like talking basketball. We we talk to you about where you can find us. Just make sure you keep listening. If you have any questions, anything you want to ask us, anything you want us to talk about, please reach us on Twitter and also on all our other social media channels. And And as always, stay woke and stay mellow. Peace.